0: Hey besties, I'm Kara, and welcome back to Two Besties, One Brain Cell. Today I'm joined by a very special guest, Ali Jean Jasmine. Hello and
1: thank you so much, Kara, for having me on your podcast. I am so excited to chat with you. Can't
0: wait to get into the nitty gritty of things. <laughs> oh my God, I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, I feel like we have so much to cover today, so many things that we want to talk about, but most people probably know you from your fitness Instagram stuff.
1: Yeah, definitely. I feel like a lot of people may recognize me from my old powerlifting videos and more recently this year, I decided to venture into bodybuilding, but I definitely Mm -hmm. feel like whilst majority of my posts are very much fitness and health orientated, I definitely Mm. feel like I do encompass more body positive slash empowerment and just all around self love and i feel like that's definitely something that i would like to push out more um as a person and as my mm. brand on my social media as
0: well mm. I think that definitely reflects in your posts. Um, how is your comp prep going though? Like, what is that probably the main thing you're focusing on at the moment? <laughs> yeah, definitely the main priority right now. I think I'm just under eight weeks out
1: and we've had a few mm-hmm. um, little bumps in the road. I suppose COVID has taken a toll on a lot of us. Um, but for me personally, mm-hmm. during my comp prep, I was initially set out to step on stage the Sunday that just passed Um, and of Mm -hmm. course being in lockdown obviously that wasn't going to happen so um, they pushed out the date for a later date in November which is exciting and it definitely gives me more opportunity to refine my presentation my condition and just my all-round package so it's kind of like getting an extension on an assignment oh definitely (laughs) we love an extension you and I both love an extension on an assignment we love a good extension (laughs) any extension we can get absolutely so definitely when other people heard of the postponed date it was a bit devastating Mm. but Mm. that didn't really like it definitely affected me but it wasn't a huge um huge impact on me I think I was quick to turn it around Mm. and say all right amazing I've got an additional 11 weeks to really Mm -hmm. nail it and I think because we were already in lockdown for majority of it. I wasn't able to see, for example, my um, my posing coach in person a lot. A lot of my um, posing classes mm. were cancelled. So um, I was a bit nervous. I was like, oh my God, what if I'm not ready? What if the date yeah. goes through for the initial date and my package and my presentation isn't where I want it to be because COVID has prevented me from oh. getting these classes.
0: Yeah, because there would have been so much uncertainty. Definitely. And it's yeah.
1: it's different doing classes online versus in person, I feel like you have so much more attention to detail and opportunity to critique when you're in person Mm. with your coach. So I think, Mm. yeah, definitely it is a blessing in disguise for me personally. Um, But that's not to say that it has been all easy. Like it's definitely been tough. But the one thing that I have been super grateful for as of late is the beautiful weather that we've been blessed with. Um, So it does make my (laughs) time. Oh, thank goodness. But it definitely makes my time training out Mm. basically in my bunker alone without the gym vibes and the hype from everyone. It just makes it a little bit easier because I know that being outdoors isn't such a, dread like it's a nice environment to be in it's so oh am I allowed to swear on this podcast probably of not okay hey. <laughs> no you can't <laughs> oh my god okay stunning it is so fucking shit training in the cold at night especially when it's like five o'clock and mm. it's already nighttime. like what is up with that but yeah, oh, daylight savings is a oh,
0: blessing. So
1: good. I'm living for it. I just really wish I was outside to be living for it. But um, outside yeah. in my um, home gym is good enough for
0: me in the meantime. But, yeah, so Oh, yeah, grateful. Ali's in um, quarantine at the moment, <laughs> for those of you who don't know. <laughs> day, oh, what, day four out of ten? Day four out of ten. <laughs> four out of fourteen.
1: Um, oh, my goodness, yes. Day four out of fourteen. So we've got ten more days to go. I don't know how many yeah. more steps I can go. Do within a fifteen meter radius Mm. of where I can Mm. do my steps. Like it's been pretty shit, and like I can go do my steps out in the backyard, but I haven't cut Mm -hmm. that grass. I don't think I've ever cut that
0: grass. To be honest, you're like wading through the the waste
1: high grass. Honestly, the resistance (laughs) is just unnecessary. Like. (laughs) I can avoid it, I will not be walking on that grass oh. if it makes me put in that much more effort. Like I will avoid it at all costs. So I'm just use, using my little um my little veranda space which is mm-hmm. I think pretty much a dumpster at this point like you know you see my home gym (laughs) in my videos but then you don't see the other half where all of like the old tables and bikes that have rusted um just lie around the the junk pile stacked up like a junk pile it's literally an obstacle course for me to even make it around so I do only have 15 meters (laughs) to go back and forth and um I've been quite impressed with myself that I've been able to do this for the past few days Mm. hitting my step count only
0: just. The video but... of you in your your outfit, you, she posted, oh, for those of you don't follow Ali, she posted this, this story yesterday of her in like the most whack outfit oh. I've ever seen, <laughs> getting her okay.
1: steps in. So a bit of context, my partner was training around 11.30 at night. Both of us had a really long day where we weren't able to get our training or steps done. Um, mm. and obviously he's in quarantine as well with me but he was just training and he likes to record his videos too but I didn't realise <laughs> that I was walking in and out of his frame and there I was he hits like a bench PR and you're walking <laughs> through the video <laughs> I look like your Asian grandma (laughs) at Footscray Markets on a Saturday morning and I just looked like a mess. Like honestly, what was I wearing? So I was wearing wearing like like a gown. Oh yeah, like a a leopard print, snow leopard print gown with a pink a hot pink (laughs) snow jacket with a hood on top and then I've got like leggings and socks and I just look like I need help and (laughs) and I hate it because I always come into my partner's videos to help give him a lift off when he needs to bench or just to give him moral support when he's doing a heavy weight and he just catches me because I'm like either in bed or like when I'm at my desk working on something Mm -hmm. I'm obviously not looking the greatest as I could be looking but he just catches yeah. me every single time without fail looking like I live
0: on the streets and no boys have a knack for that <laughs> oh my god don't they for catching you at your, your worst honestly like, and they ugly. don't even consider the
1: fact that maybe I should retake maybe I should redo that PR so that Ali actually looks kind of cute. Let her get changed in and out of her hobo, like, sloth outfit and look kind of cute. So when she accidentally walks in front, it's not too bad. But no, that opportunity is never presented to me. (laughs) How selfish. (laughs) Honestly, over it. But yeah, so iso has been pretty tough on top of, like, the lockdown in itself. Um, and I just mm-hmm. – I definitely wasn't anticipating to be stuck here. So, like, you know, mm. I have to have my – um meals accounted for and I like to prepare everything for the week before the week starts and I didn't have that opportunity oh, you to get on my to go groceries and stuff yeah so Ooh. I'm like oh my god living on packaged food so if anyone has me on my fitness pal do not look at what I've been eating for the past few days <laughs> I'm gonna been, add you right now oh my goodness <laughs> like I'm just I've been snacking a lot as well because I think like also stress mm. makes me just crave mm-hmm. chocolate even more Anything sweet I can yeah. find, so like my micro and macronutrients don't look too hot. Flash, but um, we'll
0: get on top of it. Right. <laughs> well, um, why don't you give a little bit of background, actually, about your fitness journey in general? Because mm-hmm. you started off powerlifting, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about that and maybe a bit about the difference for people of who course. don't know? Absolutely. So. Um, when I decided that I
1: wanted to get serious at the gym, so this is me like consistently mm-hmm. going to the gym, following a program and not
0: mm-hmm. making an
1: appearance every fortnight or every once a month and just using like two or three machines that <laughs> I knew on the how treadmill. to use. On the treadmill, what else was there? The <laughs> rower, Stairmaster, yeah. the only few machines that I knew how to use because I was like too frightened to touch anything else. Um, but yeah, mm-hmm. when I decided to get serious about it, my purpose for training was for strength. and. Yeah. I think a lot of that comes from the fact that the previous relationship I was in, um, I didn't feel too good about myself for a lot of reasons. And um, a lot of that was body image personally. But then Mm. I really wanted to shift my focus on seeing what I can do, not just through changing my appearance, but rather through nourishing my body and really Mm -hmm. honing in on what my body is capable of doing, whether that be lifting really heavy or refining a technique or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, just doing something that really challenges it in a way that's not specific towards achieving a a physique that I desire. Um, so yeah, that's how I guess like powerlifting happened. Um, Mm -hmm. and I, fucking love powerlifting like don't get me wrong like it's it's like very very close to my heart and I definitely will go back um but I just um wanted to change like I think after my first comp last when was it March this March um yeah after my first comp I loved it but I um had a few injuries as well and I wanted to give my body a break from lifting heavy as fuck weights and I just like I can't sit still like it's not I can't, if anyone told me, all right, Mm. maybe just give your back a break for now and just like chill out. I won't sit down. you like, I will not. No, I will not. But obviously (laughs) I needed to channel that energy somewhere else. Otherwise I would have broken my back. So um, I decided, yeah, why not give bodybuilding a go? And I think it's always been a running joke between my coach and I, where um, last year I made a significant, um, a significant change in my body composition, during the first lockdown that we all went through, um, mm. whilst powerlifting, which was quite mm. impressive because a lot of people either do one or the other, like you.
0: Yeah. Can you explain maybe the difference between the two? Yeah. Like, so powerlifting is obviously more strength focused. Definitely, definitely. So powerlifting mm-hmm. focuses on the three compound lifts. So that's
1: that being the um the squat, bench, and mm-hmm. deadlift. And mm-hmm. in a powerlifting meet, so your competition, you're up against however many people are in your flight and that can be your weight class Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously the person with the what you call Wilk, so the person who has the highest strength to body weight ratio will win Mm -hmm. that weight class Yeah, and yeah, so that's basically powerlifting and I think the other thing to note on powerlifting is that you're whilst you are training for strength I think Mm. Um, a lot of it is more mentally and emotionally driven as well. Not to say that bodybuilding is more shallow, but you definitely use a lot more of your like central nervous system when it comes to powerlifting, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. And then bodybuilding, as it suggests, you're building your body and you're building a physique Mm -hmm. depending on what competition, what federation you're competing in. Um, Mm -hmm. there are different, criteria's but um oh. basically what's generally um the case is that we want a balanced physique so we want a physique that when you're looking at it for a bikini model or sports model you want ratios that um mm-hmm. exhibit kind of like an x shape so you have width across your shoulders and then mm-hmm. you've got like a tapered waist and then mm-hmm. you've also got like beautiful glutes and Um, lower body ratios as well so Mm. that's the main thing and the other thing as well is that a huge component of bodybuilding is your posing routine and the fact that you are up against other competitors and are being judged based based on your aesthetic your physique aesthetic Mm -hmm. and that can be tough for a lot of people I definitely feel like bodybuilding isn't for anyone and I would not ever encourage anyone to do bodybuilding unless they've really had a deep um deep dive into how they feel about their body, their relationship with food, their relationship with the way they look in the mirror and yeah. how comfortable they are when it comes to looking at those changes because with bodybuilding, changes can happen as quick as overnight. Um, yeah. So yeah, and I think like from last year when I was able to make quite um, quite a progressive change in my physique as well as my strength it was that ongoing mm-hmm. joke where my coach was like oh you're a powerlifter but you kind of make it look like you're a bikini model so like oh this tagline where it's like powerlifting but make it look bikini because oh, yeah I so had cute. I had the aesthetic of like a someone who was about to step on stage but then mm. obviously my strength like at that point I was lifting three times my body weight um when I was wow. deadlifting. um so, yeah, like I, that was basically – it was actually just an inside joke and that's mm. essentially how we started – How you got into, body into bodybuilding. Building. Yeah. It was <laughs> a joke so cool. at the start. It was actually like – hmm, I wonder if I actually did slap on mm. a tan. Like, do you reckon I'd be able to slap on Yeah, if on I put on
0: five coats of Bondi sands.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Literally five coats of Bondi sands. Honestly, that would be enough. But no, um, mm. definitely was supposed to be just an inside joke. And then I was like, fuck it, let's just do it. I'm bored. Like, yeah. I don't want to be injured and not be able to, like, power lift. Let's try yeah. and get Pretty into challenge. a different challenge. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. And I love a good challenge. And I love that this has definitely – um. You know challenge me in different ways
0: um yeah. and
1: yeah that's always great when it's a different challenge
0: so what yeah. do you reckon is the biggest challenge when it comes to bodybuilding oh there are
1: quite a few yeah.
0: um can we just talk about the things <laughs> so <Sorry. laughs> can we just talk about your protein pancakes <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay. She posted the saddest looking pancakes (laughs) I've ever seen on her story the other day. Not the other day. It was back when you were probably on your your lowest cows, right? Yeah. And it was these pancakes that had, like, no flour. Like, the base of them was literally protein powder. (laughs) Look, I tried to make them as
1: pretty as possible with the biscoff and the berries, but obviously someone saw through me. (laughs) Couldn't even were they alright? I tried Hey? Were they alright? Like how'd they taste? They were fine. Obviously the texture wasn't there. And you know what? Like they, I can't even call them pancakes. Like I'm too ashamed to call them pancakes. I'm pretty sure I labelled them as crepes, Crapes. protein crepes, because they were so fucking flat and so sad and lacking density. I was like, there is no way I can sell this as pancakes.
0: <laughs> so to me that looks like the biggest challenge, but what's actually? <laughs> Oh my God, like car's biggest challenge
1: the fucking protein Lionless pancakes, pancakes. <laughs> what's actually the biggest challenge <laughs> um so obviously that's the one big challenge the fact that you've you're going to have to substitute <laughs> and sacrifice a lot of the fun things that you would otherwise be eating for things mm-hmm. that are more um satiating and more volume so um Mm. i think you might know that i add zucchini in my oats for volume which a lot of people find disgusting but it doesn't really have a taste though so surely it's not that bad it doesn't as long as you have more oats than zucchinis but there is Mm -hmm. a time in prep where you will have more zucchini than oats and it's not a vibe but yeah that's mush (laughs) oh my god it's mush and you just taste zucchini more than anything um but definitely the fact that you will have to sacrifice a lot of the things that you Mm. love to eat and Mm -hmm. um, substitute it for things that are quite povo, like protein Mm. powder as your base instead of flour. Um, (laughs) We're calorie poor. Yeah, literally calorie poor. Like you (laughs) see other people around you, like my partner will eat Mm -hmm. whatever the fuck he wants. Like I know he's trying to eat better, but on Mm. the days he doesn't doesn't actually – need to worry about it. Like he's not tracking everything to a T, but is he powerlifting. He's powerlifting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think he's competing until maybe next year. I don't even think there are any comps for the end of the year anyway. So yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of sad, like looking at your like four leaf salad and someone else's beautiful, like <laughs> fish and chips, for example, like things like that is a bit challenging, oh. but I would say like the biggest hurdle for me is just, How much of your emotional and mental capacity that Mm. this whole prep occupies? Like there is not a day, no, there is not a second that goes by when I'm not Mm. thinking about like you know, calculate, like doing quick math. how much protein do I have left? Or like, how much yeah. can I eat in my next meal? Things like that. It's exhausting. And especially when you don't come prepared, it's stressful. Um, so mm. I, I have definitely worked on like coming prepared, obviously, like with being in ISO, it's a little bit different. But um, yeah. definitely the fact that it occupies your mind literally 24 seven. And also the fact that When your macros and calories get so fucking low, Mm. like, I kid you not, you just become a different person. I would catch myself getting mad, throwing tantrums at the smallest things, like things (laughs) that would have otherwise not even been noticed by me. And I would just, you know, like, I'd catch myself and be like, poor kid, honestly. But I'd catch myself and i would say oh my god have i always been have i always been this fucking horrible like am i this mean no, like, you were just hangry <laughs> no but you're hangry all the time that you, it almost makes you feel like you're a monster 24 7 and i literally no. i remember i remember like catching myself getting so unreasonably mad at darwin and i started crying because i was like <laughs> I'm not this mean am I I literally just bursted out out crying because I had to like really think and analyze my behavior and bless his soul why am I doing this I know I'm like why am I so angry why am I shaking with fury I don't understand and he was like it's fine like it's okay this is just comp prep and you're not horrible you're not a monster but he yeah he's been so so supportive which has been amazing Um, But yeah, I can't even imagine. Like, if I were him, I'd be like, see you fucking later. Like, honestly, I'm so
0: mean. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's usually like that. The girl's like the bitch, and the guy's the one that's like
1: sweet and supportive. Especially when they're hangry. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like, all the time. But, um. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think definitely that's been the hardest part, noticing changes in my personality where I yeah. you know would find joy in things I would otherwise be super irritated and super yeah. annoyed and it's just not a nice feeling because it makes you feel like that you're really limited with what makes you happy or what like sparks joy, um, yeah. which is kind of sad. But I think definitely the emotional side of things is probably my biggest challenge.
0: Yeah, well that's the thing like I feel like with something as intense as bodybuilding prep or comp prep, it's like such a huge mental challenge and you have to be Mm -hmm. so mentally strong that it would take so much out of you. Like even, okay, like I don't, I'm obviously not a bodybuilder and I don't track my food. (laughs) But the times when I have been like tracking my food or just kind of roughly tracking to get an Mm -hmm. idea of like roughly what I'm eating – it is so time-consuming and, like, mm-hmm. so exhausting. I don't know how you can 100%. do that, like, long-term. I, I I have so much admiration for people that can track their food for, like, <laughs> months on end. How?
1: Mm. <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, I was literally the same when I first began. I was horrendous mm. at it. And there would be days when I would, you know, accidentally eat something without tracking it and say, mm. fuck it, like, I'll call it a day. I won't even – consider that day I'll just write it off and start again tomorrow and I Mm -hmm. think um it definitely takes time to ease into it and it's definitely a matter of doing it so much so that it is ingrained in your lifestyle where you don't even have to think twice about it yeah like Mm -hmm. I don't even think twice anymore whatever I eat I just know okay I need to track that. And if I can't track it instantly um, in terms of like searching for the product and then typing out how much it weighs, I'll put it in my notes. Mm. All right, spud light (laughs) potatoes, 200 grams, and I know to put it in for later or when I have the time. So, yeah, it definitely takes a lot of practice, I think, Mm -hmm. for anyone who is willing to be serious about making a change or like managing their macros and calories Mm -hmm. to an extent of like seeing – progress that can actually be measured and tracked, mm-hmm. um, I would always suggest doing kind of like a practice phase just so that you can get used to it, but also get used to the idea that even if you can't track it in that instance, um, saving it for later and knowing that, okay, cool. You don't have to instantly put it straight away, but as long as it's there, you can put it back when you can. Mm, um, yeah. so yeah, cause otherwise, yeah, like it's definitely something you need to be doing so much so that.
0: You, it's second nature, it's It's like a nature, um, yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, do you think that type of thing could become problematic for people who are like predisposed to disordered eating or things like that?
1: Definitely, 100%. So, I first started tracking my macros maybe when I was, I want to say, 21 or 22. So, Mm -hmm. um, closing in on about five to six years ago I Mm. wasn't in the good headspace and I feel like if I had known the wealth of knowledge that I have right now Mm. I wouldn't have tracked in the first place at such at such an age not to say that that age is too young or anything like anyone can track whenever but Mm. at that age I was so vulnerable and yeah, at that point mm. in my life, I was so vulnerable and so impressionable. And the type of role models were quite limited as well. Like, I don't know if you mm. remember Kayla Signs. Do you remember her? Oh, my her? God, yes.
0: I've always wanted to know how to pronounce her name. Thank you for that. I don't know. If it's Itsines, it seems. It seems. It seems. I don't yeah. know. But um, she
1: was the person that I aspired to be at that point. And mm-hmm. I didn't know that you could, you know, I didn't know that healthy could look any other way. Like, to me, it was yeah. like, I need a thigh gap. I need a oh, fucking thigh gap. A six pack, 100%. Yeah. Like, I, all I wanted was to have like a fucking thigh gap, six pack abs. Like, mm-hmm. literally, I just wanted skinny arms and not have to suck in when I take photos when I go out clubbing. Like, that's literally the idea of healthy that I envisioned when I was that age. Yeah. And so, naturally, when you're predisposed to such, I guess, like, ideas of what healthy and fit looks like Mm -hmm. you try and attain those in really unrealistic ways and then Mm -hmm. of course it it kind of takes a toll on your emotional well-being and the way that you look at yourself in the mirror and the way you treat your body and how you speak to it as well and Mm -hmm. so I definitely feel like tracking macros when you're in that headspace isn't a good idea it's a gateway to to eating disorder 100% 100% yes it's definitely mm-hmm. a gateway and I think like disordered eating happens really often and mm-hmm. sometimes we don't even realize it so it is a quite a blurry line I can totally respect that tracking mm. can um be quite slippery especially if you have a history of that um but also if you're not in a position to look at things objectively because yeah I think you do need to have that level of um you know respect for the idea of tracking and also a respect for yourself enough so that the two don't mean one or the other. So like, let's say if you Mm. fail tracking, that you don't conflate the two. Yes. Yes. You don't conflate the two. You don't equate your worth to your ability to track and how much you Mm. eat and vice versa. Like I feel like if you're in a position to look at it objectively, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You can go for it as long as Mm -hmm. you have a, really hard look at yourself and your relationship with the scale food Mm. um and yeah because like especially in such a sport that critiques you on the way you look like you can already imagine like it's not going to be for everyone and it's tough because you can't equate your results to your self-worth like i read something the other day and um it's so fucking true like Your body is the least fascinating thing about you. Like There are so many other elements of your personality and yourself that reflect your worth. And I think when you have that as your foundation for Mm -hmm. understanding how your body works and what that means for you when it comes to Mm -hmm. self-worth, I think then that would make it a good time to start looking into managing macros and things like that but otherwise yeah i yeah. totally agree that it can be quite dangerous to try and track when you're not mentally and emotionally prepared to do so
0: yeah i feel like um like something i've seen or something that i've kind of observed from following other like bodybuilders is that at the end of the day like bodybuilding and achieving like your dream physique it's kind of like a numbers game and it's yeah. like, the, it's the type of thing where it shouldn't be, hang on, how do I explain what I'm trying to say? It's like, it's, it's seeing how, like how far you can push yourself and how much you mm-hmm. can manipulate like mm-hmm. certain things to achieve certain results. Yeah. Like it's very scientific. Yeah. And yeah. I think if you have the ability, well, i am talking like I can relate, <laughs> obviously can't, but from what I've observed, it seems like if you have that ability to separate the science of, yeah. um, you know, like tracking your macros and mm-hmm. whatever else is involved Um, separating that from who like separating that from yourself, I guess um, that seems to be where people are in the healthiest mindset when it comes to something like bodybuilding.
1: Absolutely. And I, I think definitely having that understanding that numbers aren't supposed to determine or reaffirm your value mm-hmm. is so important especially when you're jumping into a sport that relies heavily on numbers like mm. sure we should have numbers and a range in mind and that can definitely serve as data which it literally is just data like you can mm-hmm. find valuable insights from trends and their outcomes and use it as a measurement tool for example and like just educate yourself over how your body responds to yeah. put it plain and simple, um, I think that's how we should be able to use numbers. Like we can use the numbers to empower us, but we have to have a really, really strong understanding that it is in no way um, a measurement tool to define your worth and your value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, like when you can look at that way, absolutely. Like it's a sport that you can do or it's a – an avenue that you can explore mm. i suppose
0: yeah mm. and also i think knowing that it's not sustainable long term like yeah. your peak your peak physique is not going to be absolutely sustainable
1: <laughs> absolutely and i think i think also yes definitely being aware of that and knowing mm. that your end goal isn't going to be your be all goal if that makes mm-hmm. sense like mm-hmm. you you Go into a powerlifting comp knowing that the numbers you achieve are something that you are going to work towards being better than like progressively over time. But when it yeah. comes to bodybuilding, once you hit your peak physique, you need to have a period of time when you go back to being normal and you can't just keep building on top of your peak physique straight mm. away. You have to have mm. your off season. You have to have a period where you regulate your hormones again and you start eating at a proper you know, proper amount of calories or like stay at maintenance or even a surplus, whatever it is. I think that's super um, important to understand as well Um, Mm -hmm. because yeah, like we can't walk around with six pack abs every single day. Like I literally only (laughs) have abs like at a split second and then I suck out I, and then I like breathe out all my hair and it's fucking gone, <laughs> like, like, oh, they're gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess that's like obviously where posing comes in because posing is yeah. an art that teaches you to contort your body in ways that mm. highlights your physique
0: mm. at its
1: peak because mm-hmm. we don't all walk around with like a hyper extended back and oh. we don't all have like glutes <laughs> popping 24 7 but yeah. that's also the other thing as well like You need to have an understanding that what you see on stage, like your final package, yes, amazing, beautiful. You've worked so hard to achieve that, but you have to be with, you have to be at peace with the idea that that is not where you're going to be forever. Like you have to, you have to go back to normal eventually and however you do it, some can do it really healthily and super successfully and other people struggle with it a little bit more that's a different story but I mm. think yeah like whenever we're always going to be at our peak anything like our peak strength our peak mindset our peak physiques mm-hmm. like all of that will fluctuate and knowing that it fluctuates is probably the best way to overcome those periods when you're not at your peak like yeah understanding that this is normal like I'm not strong right now or I'm not um at my leanest condition and that's okay because this is expected. Like managing those
0: expectations I think is also really crucial as well. Yeah, 100%. I think if you go into it with the right mindset, then you're probably a lot less likely to struggle with those things yeah, coming out of it. like
1: absolutely. I think you're less likely to relapse and you're less likely mm-hmm. to, um, you know, because we, we hear all the horror stories. Like sometimes, especially bodybuilding, like you will – here people have horror stories of having disordered eating patterns after mm. a comp or not mm. knowing how to eat freely and to feel like they're allowed to. I think yeah. that happens quite a bit, even if you're not in comp. Like after you've gone through a cutting period where you've eaten at a deficit for a certain period of time and you've lost the weight that you wanted to do, this is mm-hmm. why people always say it's important to have a really strong exit strategy where you're able to bring mm-hmm. your calories back up to maintenance or whatever it is you want to do. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. are too afraid to do that because they yeah, haven't to eat again built... Yeah. Like they haven't built that understanding from the get go that your expectation is not to stay in a deficit for so long. Mm, It's mm -hmm. not to stay out of peak physique for so long. Like you have to eventually move out of that. And that's where the growth happens.
0: Yeah. So it's very much like a mindset thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just wanted to circle back to something that you mentioned Mm -hmm. earlier, um, which is, um, so you said (laughs) that you got into powerlifting, like after a stage of insecurity or being unhappy with your body Um, and I've seen I've actually seen a lot of people talk about this too that um, the biggest shift for them happened when their focus moved from how your body looks to what your body can do right
1: absolutely and I think that is one of the biggest things I'm grateful for that Mm -hmm. huge shift in mindset where instead of aspiring to look a certain way, I aspired mm-hmm. to feel a certain way and that feeling was chasing strength, like being stronger than who I was yesterday. And mm-hmm. I think it became more of like a
0: self-love journey.
1: Yeah, like when you have that shift, when you decide to do things to make you feel good instead of like trying to do things to make you look good or look a certain mm-hmm. way, everything mm-hmm. else kind of falls into place because you start thinking like, okay, I want to feel good. I want to feel my strongest. What do I need to do to feel my strongest? I need to eat Mm -hmm. my carbs. I need to eat Mm -hmm. my protein. I need to Mm -hmm. get enough sleep. I need to be in a mindset (laughs) that makes me feel, you know, like makes me feel empowered. So naturally you want to get rid of anything that's toxic in your life so that you can perform Mm -hmm. your best. And Mm. if you think about it the other way around, like if you think about wanting to achieve not so much how you want to feel, but more so what you want to look like. You can already see the behaviors are very different. Like you wouldn't mm. really think about, I need to eat more carbs to feel good. Like you, you would naturally want to say, I want to eat less because I need to lose weight, or like, yeah, I, I want to like, I don't know what else, what else, do, what else did we do back in the day? Like, oh, I want to do like fat cavitation because I need to lose like my. Oh, my God, I used to do it all the time. What um, is it? <laughs> So I used to buy these fat cavitation deals on Groupon whenever they were on sale because I would never be able to afford fat cavitation yeah. on its own. But basically, it's a non-invasive kind of procedure where you have, um, like, a device that I'm going to butcher this and whoever actually no. does fat cavitation is going to call me out. But essentially, <laughs> like this idiot. device kind of, like... Oh my god! I Isn't don't even one want that to like try. Freezes your fat off. I don't think it freezes. I think it melts it. It turns it into liquid, no. and then you just pee it out.
0: No. <laughs> we <laughs> are scientists. Like, oh, we are
1: scientists. We we know. Yeah, we
0: know our shit. Like, of course, mm-hmm. we both did art. so yes, science is our forte. <laughs> so we're definitely <different> scientists. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, a little bit of background. So I've known. Ali, wait. Should I jump into this now? Yeah, you can actually. Should we jump into backtrack? This. <laughs> Let's backtrack to the beginning. Um, me and Ali have known each other for like what, like ten years? More than ten years. More than ten years. <laughs> <More> than, <laughs> when did we meet? Like 2010, 2011? 2011, yeah, ten yeah, something like that. But yeah, yeah, ten like years. we met like during high school. Yeah, um, very cute. <laughs> Linda Street Station, like all the yes, cool oh kids used to hang out. <laughs> yeah, and then we'd see each other at like the high school parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think in uni we had like one class together, but yes. one of us was always away. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> we one never of us was both either fucking late, sick, late, late. <laughs> like always coming in late. I <laughs> miss what are we up <laughs> to? Messaging each other on Facebook oh like, what happened in class? Oh my god, I didn't go. I didn't go A <laughs>
1: was literally our response i feel like all of our conversations back and forth
0: for a solid (laughs) year was like what did we miss what did we miss i don't know soz (laughs) oh god (sighs) how far we've come yeah and then funnily enough after i moved back from sydney and i got transferred to work with michelle Ali works there as well, so <laughs> it, it's a big party. <laughs> it is a whole party; such a fun time. <laughs> yeah, so that's how we reconnected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to that, it's just like so funny to like. Don't you find this when you look back on people that? not look back on people, when you look back on things with people that you've known for like such a long period of time, it's just so interesting to see like how much people have grown and changed and like what they've done with themselves over the years.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's really lovely to reconnect with people who were prevalent Mm. for only brief moments of your life to then realizing how much growth has happened in between Mm -hmm. the times that you weren't connected. I think,
0: yeah, it's it's really sweet. It's like checkpoints.
1: Yeah, little checkpoints. And that's why we always have a million things to catch up on because we Uh miss each other for like fucking years. And then we come back with like a mountain of stuff to catch up on. But um, it's Mm -hmm. really nice. And I think um, it really makes you think of who you were when you first Mm -hmm. meet that person Mm -hmm. and how much has changed. And I think Mm -hmm. I know we've known each other since we've been kids essentially but even throughout even throughout uni as well like I would say from the fact that we both never rocked up to class like (laughs) I can say for myself like I probably wasn't in the greatest headspace and I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people knew that as well and I think it's it's so lovely Mm -hmm. to see like from both of our ends how how much how much that has changed and yeah yeah, like it's nice to know that the people who knew you from that period of time, who knew your struggles and knew the shit you were dealing with aren't mm-hmm. actually going to, you know, take that and basically imprint that on you and say, "Yep, this is you. I only know you as you when you were from when you were that version of yourself. I only accept you yeah. as that version of yourself. You can't be anyone else." And I think it's really lovely when people have the flexibility to change their perspective on you but also to experience it firsthand when
0: you reconnect with each other again hey yes. no that's so true and and I feel like that's um that's something that we tend to hold on to a lot oh yeah more about ourselves than other people do about us like mm-hmm. I, like for example sometimes I'll think about people that I knew years ago that I haven't mm-hmm. spoken to in years and I'll just think like oh my god their image of me is probably still. Oh. Like when I was crazy or like, you know, when I was like going through this or when oh I was like throwing up at house parties in high school. Oh <laughs> like Tell something me about like that. it. Yeah, and I actually wonder, like, with other people, is that actually the memory that they have of me, or do the, yeah. do other people also have the insight to know that most of us have like grown up?
1: Oh, I would since hope so, days? and I feel, yeah, I feel like as well when I look back at certain people in my past, like mm. you know whether or not they treated me well, I would hope that they have grown, or like I would hope mm-hmm. the image of me doesn't remain the same, or they they are open to accepting. A bigger and better version of myself and I think like being able to reconcile that version of you from the past and who you are today and Mm -hmm. you know accepting that you are not different from her you are just an evolved version of her I think that's super important as well because for the longest time I definitely tried to get away from that image of myself I was like I don't want to be associated to Ali throwing up everywhere at I love R&B or like Ali just causing a scene <laughs> on Twitter. There. like I don't want to be known <laughs> as that and I tried so hard to like get rid of that person I was like yeah no I'm not her I'm not her and I just pushed that person aside without realizing that if I didn't come to terms with who I was and realized that toxic behavior and like the elements of myself that I wasn't so proud of needed mm-hmm. to be changed. Like I wouldn't mm-hmm. be where I am right now. And I think that's yeah. to say, that's the same for everyone, I suppose. I think like we're all slowly learning to come to terms with a version of ourselves that we're not so proud of, or we may not mm-hmm. even um, want to think about or want people to know us for, but mm. we have to be okay with it. And I think we have to be okay with it because part of the reason we, well, part of the reason we are who we are right now is because of all the misfortunes and the learnings and the obstacles and the uncomfortable 100%. growing we had to do back then. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think it's, I think also, I don't know if it's just my anxiety playing, but I always used to mm-hmm. think like, cause for the longest time. So like, I think I only really started sharing a lot of my fitness and my mindset and growth mid last mm-hmm. year. That's when I decided I'm going to do it, but I worked up to it for about, four months because my yeah. progression was already happening. And I was like, should I share this? Should I tell anyone that this is what I'm doing? And this is what I'm passionate about. And this is the direction I'm headed. Is it worth anyone's time to even listen to what I have to say or to see what I've done Aww. to myself to be a better person? I never thought that anyone would even pay attention to it. Or the other, the other side of me was like, everyone's going to judge you for it and think, why the fuck did you do this? Like, why, <laughs> like, like, you know, you don't deserve to be making this much progress because you are still that past version of yourself. Like that that was the other side of me. And it was just playing on my mind for months. And I remember Mm -hmm. I told my best friend, like, I really want to put it out there. I feel like a lot of people might benefit from the experiences Mm -hmm. that I've gone through or Mm
0: -hmm. maybe
1: feel inspired to start working on themselves as well. And Mm -hmm. yeah, my best friend was like, just do it. And I was like, fuck, like, is it time? It's now or never. And that's when I decided, right, I'm going to make an effort and do it. I'm just going to fucking post it. I'll put my progress photos on there. And I did that. And then (laughs) that's when I realized, okay, I actually enjoy sharing, even though it's a little bit hard to share sometimes, like being vulnerable Mm -hmm. in an open space, knowing that you are open to criticism and knowing that not, you're not everyone's cup of tea. It's tough, but like, if I can you know, make an impact on one person or like if one person feels better about themselves with what yeah. i have to say and whatever ramblings i have written down, like then it's worth my time. But definitely for the longest time i was really stuck with this conflict of knowing that this is what everyone thinks of me. I am mm. this like ratty bratty toxic person like that. Oh. I know i have evolved from, but other people don't know that and Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want them to know that I've evolved or what if they can see the evolvement happen but can't fathom that it's happening. That makes sense. Yeah, like they can't believe yeah. it. And that's yeah. even worse because it's like, you know, that's the worst thing. Like bullshit, she's done that for herself. Or well, that's not her. Like, no way. Like Yeah, like you don't want them to think it's all fake or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that's the worst thing because everything's so genuine yeah. and real and like you put your heart and soul You put your heart and soul out onto a platform that, you Mm -hmm. know, is receptive to a lot of negativity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if that's the response, like, is it even worth it? So definitely I struggled with that. And that's when I really had to work on, you know, looking inwards and accepting my traumas from my past, accepting Mm -hmm. the traits of myself that I knew I had to work on Mm -hmm. and coming to terms with it and being at peace with that version of myself because if i'm not at peace and i'm constantly fighting with her then why am i even here like there's no point
0: you know yeah, you can be so, so, so
1: yeah like you can be so outspoken about your beliefs and your and your journey to self-love and self-acceptance and you can talk about like all the things that you are focused on right now but if you can't mm-hmm. find solace in knowing that the person you once were helped you become who you are today instead of mm-hmm. like hating on her and pushing her aside like i don't know
0: i feel like it just defeats the whole purpose of evolving 100% um yeah i think adversity really builds character mm-hmm. and i think um i mean i like i have similar things too where there's there's things from my past that i look back on that i'm really like not proud of the way i acted or like mm-hmm. the way i treated mm-hmm. people or yeah. you know whatever the case is um but i like to think that like obviously the fact that we can even look back on it and recognize those things like shows mm-hmm. a lot of growth right oh definitely um, yeah and then I, I like to think that just by being a better person and just by behaving in a way that shows that you have grown a lot um and improved and you know like really worked on yourself, I think people can usually see when it's genuine yeah. too, and I think most yeah, people absolutely. like I, th- I think, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what my point <laughs> was, but yeah, I think people can usually see when it is like a genuine, when it is genuine growth and when it is genuine positivity, as yeah. compared to people who are just preaching positivity, oh, and, yeah, you know, like saying all all the right yeah. buzzwords, but are, have but but are still toxic. Like I think you can really tell the difference. Um, yeah. yeah. And I think for you, especially that's really reflected in like everything that you post and everything that you put out into the world and just in the way that you carry yourself as a person. And I mean, oh, I never had like, you. <laughs> I never had like that terrible of an impression of you. I think it's probably <laughs> the type of thing where you think that other people oh, yeah. thought worse I of you so than too. they actually did. Yeah, yeah. But I can definitely say that from what I know of you now, like, compared to back then i can definitely see like just such huge amazing growth and i don't know it's just really heartwarming
1: (laughs) so heartwarming especially to know that i feel Mm. like for those brief moments you've seen Mm. me at like almost every stage like especially Mm. since we've practically like grown up with each other from our adolescent life. Like it's just so yeah. fascinating how the world has tied us back together, which is really lovely. I, know. I... <laughs> <And> I <laughs> like love it that. was just meant to be like the fact <laughs> that we couldn't get away from each other after high school and then uni and then work. <laughs> like, I'm like, I'm honestly. back. <laughs> <laughs> oh <my> God, <laughs> uh, but mm-hmm. um yeah, I think I think a lot of it does come down to yeah, just having a lot of social anxiety and, like, general anxiety mm-hmm. as well. Just being super paranoid mm-hmm. all the time. Because mm-hmm. it is – like, we hear it all the time. It's definitely a lot worse in our heads than it than what it actually is. It's always
0: worse in your head. Yeah. Like, trust me, <laughs> the worst things that you are thinking, like, the things that you are thinking that people think about you, like, first mm-hmm. of all, no one's thinking about you. Second of all, if they are. <laughs> yeah. If like, if they are, like, people never think as deeply – about mm-hmm. other people as you do about yourself. So, people might yeah. have like a fleeting thought or a fleeting judgment about you. Maybe some people do have shit to talk about you, even. But mm-hmm. my new favorite phrase is like, whatever other people think about me is their business, not mine.
1: Yeah, it's none of our business. And I think no. it's not our responsibility to change their mind either. I think. Exactly. I think like for a really long period of time as well I was so caught up on this idea that I had to prove myself like I'm better like can't you see Mm -hmm. that I'm doing Mm -hmm. this and I made a change in my lifestyle and like Mm -hmm. my transformation is not only outwards but inwards but again I caught myself defeating the whole purpose of everything like it's not about trying to prove that to anyone like why would I waste my energy trying to show someone who's not really willing to witness me as a person and who I Mm -hmm. am right now and what I stand for today like why would I be willing to waste my time on them just to prove a point it's really not worth it and I think I think like we get caught up on that as well I think Mm -hmm. maybe I don't know for me it happens it used to happen a lot more until I kind of like you know learned to overcome it but I think it does occupy a lot of my, it did occupy a lot of my thinking and a lot of the way Mm -hmm. that I was so um, pedantic about how I would present myself or how Mm -hmm. I would feel when other people perceived me. And then, yeah, like you said, it's not our business. It's not anyone's business to know, like if they're not important to you, like, why would
0: Mm -hmm. what they have to say and think of you be important to you? you know exactly and I I mean I have the same thing like I like to think that um validation isn't something that I like actively seek anymore like it's not Mm -hmm. the type of thing where I feel like I need validation from like from people in general but I feel like you're always gonna have people in your life whose opinion that you value right like it's normal like maybe your partner or like your love interest or your close friends or family like you're always gonna care what they think of you and I think like that's okay it's okay to yeah. care what um people who are special to you think yeah like you. those
1: people are important mm. and I think that their opinions carry more weight and mm-hmm. that's okay but it's more mm-hmm. so I would say the people who were acquaintances or like your clubbing mm. friends or like people yeah. who you used to kind of see only in social outings not anyone yeah. that you've actually had a deep connection with I think if yeah, you haven't they don't established know you. that yeah like how can they know you like And they don't deserve to know you right now if they're not open to witnessing you as this new person, or not new person, or like as this glowed up version of yourself. Glowed up version. (laughs) (laughs) Evolved, glowed up version of yourself. Like they don't deserve that. Um, And that's another thing that I've definitely been working on as well, is just really protecting my energy and protecting my time with who Mm -hmm. gets access to me, like who gets Mm -hmm. to see me at my best, who gets to see me at my worst. We really, we really need to safeguard those because, like, they essentially make up our, you know, make up who we are. Um, and I think while we are able to share our lives and what we go, we go through on social media, when it comes to those finer details and those deeper connections, we really need to guard who we share it with and be mm-hmm. selective because
0: mm-hmm.
1: when we start. I think losing autonomy over who gets access to us, that's a whole nother, other story. Like that's something else yeah. completely different, but we never want to get there because we just lose ourselves. And that's how you lose yourself. Like we see it in relationships. We see it in friendships, oh, like in yeah. imbalance of power and things like that. Like we never want that to happen. And I think that starts from within. I think that starts from being self-aware that your time and your energy is precious and mm-hmm. not everyone is worthy of it and Mm -hmm. the best way to figure out i suppose who gets access to you at your highest self or your improved self whatever you want to call it i think the Mm -hmm. best way to know how to give that energy is to really pay attention to who responds to your wins and who is there when you're not winning i think yeah that's what has really kind of shaped my circle in particular and has mm-hmm. helped me safeguard my energy and my
0: time mm-hmm. yeah isn't it funny how like you just watch your circle shrink as yeah. you get older <laughs> oh, it goes from like having hundreds of friends or maybe not hundreds, oh my god but, you know, like having hundreds of friends. people at
1: your house parties yeah <laughs> like inviting 150
0: people oh to, your, to your high school birthday to like oh my god oh maybe i'll go out with my two friends <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> How kind of funny, I feel like our mums tell us that from the get-go. Mm-hmm. I remember, because I was such an extra person growing-like an extra kid growing up. When I was in primary school, high school, <laughs> I was throwing parties that had to be extra- extravagant. They had to be mm-hmm. themed, firstly, like some sort of theme happening, whether it's a costume party or a Have I been to a to theme all party wear. of yours? Oh my goodness. I feel like. Did you do a sparkles and sequins one or was that someone oh, else? Oh, no, no, that wasn't me. That was someone else. But I was there as
0: well. Okay.
1: <laughs> I feel like themes were in back in the day. Like, it wasn't just Yeah,
0: I had to have a theme. I had to – your body yeah. had to have a theme. Wait. Ha, maybe I didn't go to – did you not invite me to any of your birthdays? I did. You didn't come. You, I remember, you said you couldn't
1: come. I fucking remember because I was so upset. Oh, and I remember oh I, God. like – no, I was like not so upset, but like I was like, oh my god, she's not coming, and then. <laughs> well.
0: Yeah. <laughs> everyone else lived on the west side, and I lived I, on like the east side, so it was. Like- I remember, like you couldn't come. I remember mm. now. <laughs> well, I'm, so, I'm sorry about that. No, that's I'm okay. Really <laughs> sorry, I <to> didn't make it. <laughs>
1: okay. No, you're so fine. It's totally understandable. Like, but yeah, like I was such an extra person, and I would invite so many people, and my mum mm-hmm. would constantly tell me, like, are these all your friends? And I'm like, Yeah, of course they're obviously (laughs) like and I would always say things like, Just because you didn't have this many friends back in your day doesn't mean that they're (laughs) not my friends today. Like I would just but now I totally get it. Now I understand. Like looking in hindsight, the people that were present at my birthday parties, Mm. only a select few of them are Mm. currently present in my life today. Mm. And I can't even, yeah, it's just, it's fascinating that like our parents just know it all from when we're young. Like, I know, I hate admitting that your parents were right. I know, I know, <laughs> like it's the, oh, it's just, Not it's yet. so hard. Oh my God. Yeah, I just, yeah, <laughs> um, like it reminds um, me of when I m- moved out of home mm-hmm. in uni, first year uni and mm-hmm. it was just a struggle to afford living out of home. Mm-hmm. And I was working my ass off. I was working 48 hours a week and, like, oh God. neglecting uni so much so that my grades were disgusting. But mm-hmm. I remember mum saying, just come back home. And I was like, no, no. <laughs> I, refuse.
0: <laughs> I
1: refuse to come back home. Like, even though I knew deep down I could not keep pushing you myself. You knew you were
0: going to. <laughs> I you was you literally were going to, but you're like, nah,
1: nah, I'm not, nah, nah. She knew it. She called it. I think six months in she was like, you're going to mm. come home. And I'm like, no, I'm not like, stop saying that. Like, do you not have faith in me? Like, do you not see that I'm working so hard with my $12 an hour salary? No. Like, I can't believe I
0: lived out of home. Like, yeah, that's impressive. Good on you. You've <laughs> been managing that somehow. It was Did so, so- tough so-
1: Um, I lived with a housemate at the time, but um, this was the time like when I first started, like it was first year uni as well. And I just Mm -hmm. was, I needed to get out of home for personal reasons, but I just did Mm -hmm. not want to go back home. And obviously when you put so much effort and you have like, you know, built an apartment and like you live with your dog Mm -hmm. and like, you've got yourself settled, but you're literally digging yourself a grave because you're working like nearly 50 hours a week. Like it's just not sustainable. And there comes a time when you're like, all right, fine. Like, you were right. I need to come home. Or like, <laughs> I accept, defeat, I surrender, whatever you want to yep. say. But yeah, a lot of the time our parents foresee our friendships, our lifestyle, mm. and as much as we hate to admit it, they do have weight in what they say. Like, it does mm-hmm. carry some value and, like, we do they need have to take what they say. Yeah, they do have a bit of wisdom and we do need to carry mm. a bit of their wisdom every now and then and Mm -hmm. yeah very much so that applied to the fact that I was such an extra as fuck kid growing up I invited (laughs) the whole world had all these parties and it was a good Mm -hmm. time don't get me wrong but like I can't even can't even think
0: of who from those parties are still super prevalent in my life right now yeah Yeah. and that's not to say that like we we hate all the people that we were yeah no definitely not during different stages of our life but yeah I think you just kind of I think also part of it is like during like your adolescent years or like maybe even your early to mid-20s like there's just so much like change that happens and like you're still really like growing into yourself as a person and and people are doing things to kind of like try to fit in or to assimilate so it's hard to find, like, your niche or your group yes. or, you know, like, your your people. And I think, like, as you kind of grow up and become, like, more yourself, yeah. you figure out who you really connect with more on, like, a deeper level. Mm-hmm. Of course.
1: And I think there's an mm-hmm. element of peer
0: pressure as well that
1: you have to oh, – yeah fit in and you have to be a part of something otherwise you're left Mm -hmm. out like it's Mm -hmm. an instinct it's a it's a survival instinct for us to feel a part of a pack and I think Mm -hmm. that's very much so when we're growing into our young adult selves we need to be a part of something and it may not necessarily sit right with us perfectly like we may not be as interested as everyone else in whatever discussions are happening or we may mm-hmm. not necessarily feel our best sitting at parties and things like that but we go anyway because like that's just what yeah. we do yeah. um but yeah like you said I think like the more we grow and the more we just we dis- the more we discover the more we discover what our interests are and how we want to connect with certain types of people because Yeah, sure, having, like, a thousand-something friends on Facebook is, like, was the norm. I think I haven't even cut down. Like, I still have a thousand-something friends on there because I've I've literally just added, like, you know, we all did it. We all added the people we met at parties. And even though it wasn't a genuine connection... Yeah. yeah well you come out of a party with like 30 new friends and everyone
0: yeah. who you're friends with now um oh my god I miss the days when you could you know when you, like your guy mate would become friends with a girl on Facebook and you'd oh comment oh my god, like, and everyone hey.
1: would just hype him
0: up hey what's going on yeah, like, oh is that hey, the girl man. you were telling me about <laughs> Oh my god! I can't believe we use
1: Facebook that way. Yeah, I mean, Facebook I feel is like that dead was now. forever ago. So yeah. dead. I literally only go on for memes and mm-hmm. just using like literally Messenger. just memes and like being part of yeah Messenger and like mm-hmm. being part of like dog groups
0: and things like that. Oh yeah. But, yeah, yeah. My building has like a Facebook group. I think that's like my my most Facebook activity is like my I apartment building so group. <laughs> at, She's at grown. She's no longer <laughs>
1: yeah. part of. MCAS and like what MCAS. are those like <laughs> all of those like trans groups HMAS of, oh my god HMAS we're part of building groups and like she's on the money groups we're talking about financial stability <laughs> and we're just grown look at us go Ooh, love that that's for us crazy we're adults um we're totally adults now I mean hardly but <laughs> we'll, I know <laughs> but uh, yeah I think definitely like once we decide I don't think that's we necessarily decide. I think mm. like up? once we yeah like once we discover what our genuine interests are and mm-hmm. how we want to use that time and how deep we want our connections with other people to be mm. our circle will eventually decrease in size. And I think mm-hmm. it's not Increases necessarily Yeah and I think like we want quality over quantity like in the mm-hmm. long term. We would much rather have like, a couple of super reliable and dependable friends who you have a genuine connection with than, like, 20 party friends, 20 mm-hmm. rave friends, whatever, who, mm-hmm. like, you can't... You would feel irky to try and hit up when shit goes down because they're mm-hmm. not that type of friend. Do you know what I mean? Like, when like you we actually all have need someone. Like yeah. Like, we yeah. all have friends who are there for a good time, but the ones that are really there long-term and who who will accept you... What, at whatever stage of your life you're at, I think mm-hmm. those are the ones that you keep and those are the ones that stay within your circle as opposed to like the hundreds of people you would have otherwise added on Facebook. <laughs> 100%. <at a> <laughs> um,
0: that's actually something that I really struggled with um, when I moved back to Melbourne too, was like mm. finding my people that were like really there for me. Um, because it was easy to find people to go out with or to party with or, you know, to drink with or whatever. Always easy. (laughs) Um, So easy. (laughs) Yeah, and and that in itself can be really dangerous too because, Mm. like, it it really sucks you in, especially if you're in a bad place. Like, when I was at my really low points and I needed genuine support, like, I feel like I really struggled to figure out who to go to or who was actually there.
1: that's really tough. Yeah, Yeah. I feel like especially when you are surrounded by, you know, a little bit more superficial kind of relationships. I think Mm. that's not necessarily what's best in your time of need and in those periods Mm. where Mm. you need someone to actually call you out and say things like, hey, I think – you need to do something or let's Mm. let's talk this through a little bit more let's explore Mm -hmm. this as opposed Mm. to someone who might say fuck it let's go drinking or like is that what people say they say no (laughs) hang on i think i'm so out of the loop i feel like (laughs) people don't say let's go drinking like that's not cool what do people say (laughs) (laughs) fuck it let's next i'm sorry Drew. (laughs) stop right like that's what people
0: say oh my god this is
1: how antisocial I
0: am oh my god this is what lockdown does to you (laughs) like social skills what social lingo what I actually have like I have huge anxiety about the idea of (laughs) socializing with people now like I like I hung out with a friend twice this week right Mm -hmm. we went on like a couple of walks um Mm -hmm. because that's all you can do Yeah, I feel like my social battery needs to recharge for like three months (sighs) now it really took it out of me
1: of course I feel like we're out of practice like something that would otherwise take us maybe like an hour's nap now Mm -hmm. requires like months of recharging I totally feel that and I think I don't know how to deal with the awkwardness as well. Like, I remember when I was Mm. at Woolies, I bumped into an old primary school friend and he and I have always had really lovely banter and we're Mm. so happy to see each other when we do bump into each other and it's not regular. But Mm. that moment when I was at Woolies, I was checking out, like, putting all of my, um, like, scanning through all my products and Mm. he was, I don't know, he was like, hey, like hey Ali like how's it going and I didn't know if I could come in for a hug or like a handshake or oh, like no. an over tap like I yeah. felt so awkward I just kept scanning my products and I felt like the biggest dickhead <laughs> after like, I I'm asked so oh my god I was literally like to Darwin like was that okay like did I do okay there I felt like <laughs> was really odd like i didn't feel like myself and i felt like i just completely <laughs> forgot how to socialize and how to interact with people it's just oh. bizarre and i think yeah definitely being in iso and lockdown and this whole mm-hmm. situation has um affected our social skills like clearly my social skills need some mm-hmm. refining but um, i absolutely think especially those who are introverts naturally like mm-hmm. this is just a whole new challenge for us as well. I think, Mm. like, having to try and figure out what – trying to figure out how to approach people, how to greet people without feeling (laughs) like a fucking – knob like yeah, what, how to uh, interact i honestly like it was just disastrous i'm so embarrassed and i i almost felt like i owed him an apology i was like should i message him and say like i'm so no, sorry that's that, that was so thing. weird
0: i know no, that's another one of those moments where like you dwell on it like i have them yeah. too where like i'll, I'll literally oh. be trying to fall asleep and i'll think of something i did like a year ago and i'm like should i message them <laughs> and apologize for being weird <laughs> Oh my god, that happens to me so much as well. Oh, but probably, I they probably it. haven't given a second thought no, to like whatever kind of awkward thing you did. No one get, <laughs> no one remembers. And if they Literally do, it's no probably one. like it's like a passing comment that they might have mentioned, like, oh yeah, I remember she did whatever, and it was a bit weird. But they're not sitting but there no. thinking about it and you're dwelling on it for hours. Oh my god, why are we like
1: this? Honestly, why are we like
0: this? <laughs> why do we do this to
1: ourselves? It's she just said anxiety. <laughs> Like she said, anxiety. Tell me you have anxiety without telling me you have anxiety. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I like I, – thankfully, Darwin was like, no, you don't need to message him. It's fine. But <laughs> I think like – well, I think like it helps to have a really social and like extroverted partner because mm. I feel like mm. I have a sense of I think my – um what's it called? My judgment is, my social judgment's a bit clearer when it comes to Mm -hmm. things like this, like things that Mm -hmm. he would otherwise brush off. um, I would dwell on, but then having Mm -hmm. him bring me back to earth and be like, Hey, it's fine. They don't care. Or like (laughs) they've forgotten, or they probably didn't even notice that you were so fucking weird. It's chill. I think that's super (laughs) helpful. It balances out the anxiety Mm -hmm. a little bit, but um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I definitely like have noticed that I'm quite inept now with just day-to-day interactions like oh Mm -hmm. I just
0: uh, I don't know I am so Um, nervous as well (laughs) yeah I don't know but we're opening up soon so we'll see how it goes (laughs) let's see how that goes like I'm
1: excited to be opening up but like you said Mm -hmm. I'm so nervous as well like I'm like our circumstances have exacerbated this sense of anxiety around Mm -hmm. people and Mm -hmm. just we're so out of practice like We don't have anyone to practice with
0: because we haven't seen anyone. (laughs) But like it's gotten to the point in the beginning, like it was tough, but it's Mm -hmm. gotten to the point where I've really started to like enjoy my solitude, um, which I think is probably a good thing for me. Yeah, because it's really taught me to enjoy my own company and my own solitude, which was a lesson that I think I really needed to learn. And I think it came at the right time um so that makes me so happy for you (laughs) thank you um but yeah like as shit as lockdown has been i feel like there are like positives that we can Mm, take out of it and there, there are brighter sides to look on so i don't know Try to keep those in mind. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think um, on your point of solitude as
1: well, it's really Mm. during this time, like being so limited to what we have access to and what we can do. It's really Mm -hmm. given me the opportunity to find joys in the little things, even if it Mm -hmm. is just my own company or if it's just like finding something that looks cute like sunsets yeah like pretty flowers and plants around that I never Mm -hmm. noticed because I was always on my phone like Mm -hmm. all of those things happened during our period of lockdown and I'm grateful Mm -hmm. for that because I have you know intentionally set out for myself to find things that look or you know that spark joy for me and (laughs) I think that's important because we need to keep looking for those things. No matter how minuscule or trivial it is, like we really do have to find joy in the little things because not everything's going to be grand and flash. Like we're not always going to be given those opportunities and we need to, not opportunities, we're not always going to be given the chance to appreciate the bigger and Mm. grander things. And we need Mm -hmm. to learn to not settle for the little things, but rather still see that there
0: is beauty Mm -hmm. in
1: In the small everyday, yeah, in the small everyday things,
0: yeah. 100%. I feel like one of the biggest keys to just finding joy in, like, day-to-day life is learning to romanticize, like, your own life and romanticize the little things. Um, Oh, my
1: God. Yes, I... Actually, have been loving these little mini vlogs and mini reels that people have been doing mm. lately. Just like showing parts of their day, if it's like a sunset or if it's their mm-hmm. coffee,
0: a their walk with their
1: dog, <laughs> their coffee. <Yeah. laughs> Wait, speaking of speaking of,
0: you were the one that inspired me to start asking my guests what their coffee order is from your yes! Instagram post. <laughs> yeah. Um, what's your coffee order?
1: So, okay, so my normal coffee order is just an Mm -hmm. oat milk latte. Um, Mm -hmm. I actually like it extra hot if I'm ordering it out because I like to take my time drinking it. But there is a Mm -hmm. fine line between extra hot and burnt. So
0: there are only –
1: yes, I fucking hate it when it tastes burnt, but some people do it. Um, But, yeah, like I'm really particular about how extra hot I like it. But otherwise, Mm -hmm. like I can do – I've been really liking just like ice long blacks lately. Like I'm growing up, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think generally though, it's an oat milk latte, extra hot if it's ordering mm-hmm. from out. Yeah, if it's ordering out.
0: What about you? Um, oh, Michelle didn't ask me mine. <laughs> what a rude bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Michelle. <laughs> rude. Um, <laughs> I'm either and oat iced latte or Mm -hmm. a dirty chai with oat milk if I want something Mm. hot
1: Yum. Yes. I haven't had a dirty chai in a while, but I would imagine mm. if I were to get one, it would have to have oat milk in it as well. Yeah. Um, oat milk is the way to go. Oh my God. I loved your little um story oh my, highlight with cookies. all your favorite oat milks. <laughs> the best. Like I'm always on the hunt for a good oat milk, but the one that I've mm. been loving so far, I have to get the name right just in case I butcher it. And I think, I think you did bring it up as well, but this is what I've been using for the past few months now. Um, the Vita Soy Oat Milky,
0: low in sugar. I think. Oh, see, I yeah. I don't know Did the you... difference between the oat milk and the oat milky. Like, oh I get, I buy the oat milk, but I don't know the difference. Okay, I'm so excited for you. You need
1: oat milky, low in sugar. I don't okay. I don't work for them. I'm not sponsored or anything, <laughs> but Vita Soy oat milky, low in sugar, has less calories, mm-hmm. so you can mm-hmm. have more if you want more milk in it for less. Mm-hmm. Um and there's just more of a creaminess to it without it being super sweet. Really? So yes. And I like to make my coffees at home if I'm not getting coffee outdoors and yeah, mm-hmm. like it works really well. And I think um not as watery it's definitely more
0: milky as it suggests milky <laughs> good yeah. to know get on it <laughs> sorry to all my instagram followers that um that i've misled into buying ordinary vita soy oat milk <laughs> <laughs> get this the oat milk game changer oh my
1: god yes. no, okay. you need you to try it first and make sure you like it first um mm-hmm. before we start endorsing oat oat milky but yes this oat is milky. Yeah, my favorite one oat milky low in sugar from VitaSoy, not the normal one. This yeah. is a VitaSoy
0: Stan podcast. <laughs> <laughs> now I want a sponsorship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Run a <out> self check. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I think that's about all we have time for today. I just wanted to say thank you so much, Ali, for coming on the podcast. It's been so amazing having you and I hope that um, everyone's found a little bit of insight in what you had to say.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Cara. It's been a pleasure jumping on with you. And thank you so much for think- for thinking of me and inviting me in the first place. I've had so much fun chatting to you, rambling about a million topics. Um, this is so much fun. And I sincerely hope you
0: have a good time editing because there's probably a lot in there (laughs) (laughs) no it's amazing it's that's where all the good stuff comes from is from the random (laughs) tangents Um, but yeah thank you so much again um and thank you guys for listening I really hope you enjoyed it and we will see you next time bye bye